Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. I never cared about legacy. I mean, I, I could give a about that's never. I never once when I was in high school said, "Man, I can't wait for my what my football legacy looks like." It, it's just not me. That's not my personality. So why would I choose a different place? It's because it was just time. I don't know what to say other than that. Like I had done everything. I accomplished everything I could in two decades with an incredible organization, incredible group of people, and that will never change. And no one can ever take that away from from me. No one can ever take those experience or Super Bowl championships away from us. That's Tom Brady. Did a couple hours on the Howard Stern Show. Legacy doesn't matter, PK. Just winning in the moment. Let's go win. I've done it before. It's fun. Let's go do it again. And he wants to keep playing and the Patriots need to invest in the future. So he doesn't, doesn't really matter to him if he goes to the Hall of Fame? Uh, I would think it does, uh, but I think it's such a slam dunk that he probably doesn't think about it anymore. I mean, I think he was in the Hall of Fame way early in his career. How many quarterbacks yeah, have two or three that's Super Bowls? Though. Yeah, that that I'm not asking that. I mean, who thinks about their legacy in high school? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's a silly reference there. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, I don't buy that. No, no kid is thinking about that. You're just thinking you get a chance to score this weekend, whatever your definition of score is. Uh, so uh, now that he's at this point, uh, I, I don't, I don't buy it. I think every, everyone cares about their legacy and what they're going to leave behind. Brady was asked about what he thought uh, about what kind of success he'd have had without Belichick, and he responded, "I think it's a pretty bleepy argument." Actually, the people would say that because, again, I can't do his job, and he can't do mine. So the fact you could say, would I be successful without him, the same level of success? I don't believe I would have been, but I feel the same vice versa as well. To have him allow me to be the best I can be, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, that argument goes back since the beginning of sports, though. You know, what would this one, what would Bill Russell be without Red Allback acquiring all that talent? I mean, you can you can take that, and what would Michael Jordan be without Phil Jackson and Kobe Bryant? How many how many titles did he win without Phil Jackson? And how many titles did uh, Phil Jackson win without those two? So where do you want to go with that? Depends on what you're looking for. Whatever answer you want, that's what you can determine. That question can be. Jameis Winston, who Brady supplanted as a starting quarterback in Tampa Bay, told Fox News, "Quote." For you to get replaced by Tom Brady in a city that you love so much, I guess that's kudos to me. I'm going to have to play the Tom Brady's, the Patrick Mahomes, and all the other great quarterbacks eventually. That's how you win Super Bowls, and that's what I want. He just needs to throw fewer interceptions. He makes plays. It's just the negative plays that are killing him. So I guess if he feels better moving on because it was for Brady, what the heck. The good thing is that in all his public comments, he's been saying the right thing. And he needs to do that to appeal to whoever he's going to catch on with next. 
Carolina yes, Panthers. Yeah, I agree 100. percent Right. Carolina Panthers coach Matt Rule said Wednesday during a video conference that it was the best thing for our team to move on from Cam Newton and move forward with Teddy Bridgewater as the franchise's starting quarterback. Rule indicated the decision had less to do with Newton's health and more to do with Bridgewater being a better fit for their offense. Now, in the land of political correctness, I would think, uh, whereas Tom Brady and Jameis Winston were very politically correct, maybe they told portions, even large portions of the truth, but held out somewhat could have been more negative, uh, Matt Rule goes the other way. Bridgewater's a better fit, because it would have been easy to put on Newton's health, because he's been hurt a lot. Well, yeah, but that's obvious, because they made that decision. They, he wouldn't have said, nah, we think Cam Newton was a better fit, but we're going to go with Bridgewater anyway. I mean, by doing it, you told us what you just said. You didn't need to say it. Also in the NFL, there are uh, people worried, most notably the Ravens, about the draft working. Is it gonna, are they going to end up getting, uh, getting hacked? Our uh, coach is not going to be connected. Harbaugh in Baltimore was, uh, he's been pretty vocal. The stories say there are other people worried about it too, but he's got, this, he's got the stature to say something. Well, then just send a text to the commissioner. This is who you're going to take. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Was the bigger issue a scheme issue or was it a coaching issue? Both, for sure, playing there. I, I love BYU and all, all the things. And BYU, as, as all programs across the nation are trying to figure out what they can do best and stuff. But as for, you know, as for players, you know, you only get four eligible seasons. After spending two there, I just I just felt like I, I, now or never. And so I, I, I need to leave there to find a program I could, I could fit into better, at least scheme-wise, as well as uh, a more established culture in the sense of developing defensive players. That's Devin Kafusi. He was at BYU for two years, 15 tackles, 25 games. He is transferring to Utah. PK, did that surprise you a little, a lot? Not at all. Oh, when kids don't get the playing time that they want, they look to leave. Interesting to see where he fits in there. You got to be pretty good to play at the U. They're usually pretty deep at defensive line. So, not the easiest place to go if you're looking for playing time. We'll see how that works out for him. Well, I had uh, numerous discussions with uh, people from both sides of the story well into the night, past 11 o'clock last night. So, we can get to it. All right, we'll get to that coming up. Stay with us. DJ and PK, we've got... uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban saying he finally has his own email account as he adapts to life amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. In a conversation with ESPN's Maria Taylor, Saban said, it was hard to communicate when you have to be by yourself and you always depend on somebody else to get your emails and messages and all that. They were sending them all to Miss Terry, that's his wife, and she fired me. She said, I'm not dealing with your stuff anymore, so I had to do it on my own. Great. Nick Saban, welcome to the year 2000. Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp said Wednesday officials believe a full season would be possible even if the start of the season is delayed until October because of COVID-19. In some conversations with SEC officials in the NCAA, I think they've come to some conclusion that you can probably start football as late as October and still have a 13-game schedule. So, according to Texas A&M Chancellor John Sharp, of the five plans, it looks like one of them would be slide the season a month or so. Put that next to cancel it, play it well, on time, I, shorten it up. Yeah. 
I think what you can do there is you can have some double headers. You know, you just play three quarters. No. 13 game schedule in 45 minutes. October, Let's November. Play two. October, November, December. Blow out most of the bowl games. Have a playoff to get the mega cash in January. There you go. So of the five plans, PK, I think we can figure this out. One is started on time. Two is slide it to October. Three is move it to the spring. Uh, four is cancel it all together. And five is play conference only. When, when Mark Harlan says there's five scenarios, isn't that five different scenarios right there? Well, I, I lost you in the count there. I'll have to take your word for it. But I don't know that necessarily when Mark Harlan said there's five scenarios, I sort of thought he was talking about his own situation and his conference's situation. I didn't know that he was talking about everybody in college football. But, yeah, those are fine, and the idea is to get the season. And this is this is going to drive me crazy if we're going to discuss this every, every day. day. Is there going to be a season or not in whatever sport? Yeah. Because it's you know everyone's – the, the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, is the one who said it aloud, but everybody has got to be thinking the same thing. Get me to May 1, give me some more info, and I'll try to figure it out then. And figuring out then may be, well, get me to May 15 or June 1, and I'll try to figure it out then. It's going to go on and on. DJ and PK. Yes. Hashtag NBA. I will have some satisfaction, like I said, on just being with my brothers, being with my with my guys. Closure, no. But to, to be proud of what we've been able to accomplish to this point, I'll be able to look back and be like, okay, you know, we, we did something special in that small period of time. The number one thing, like I said, is the safety and the well-being of all of us here in America first and getting this pandemic under control. And, um, you know, I believe once that's under control and, um, and they allow us to resume some type of activity, I would love to get the season back going. There's LeBron James on the incomplete season, hanging in the balance, his hope to resume playing. I don't know if I'll be able to have any closure, but I can have some satisfaction on what our team's been able to do. First-year coach, first-year system, whole new coaching staff. Some spin there, or is that pretty much, you think, the truth? Or is it just going to really irritate him that they never got to the playoffs? If it comes to that. Well, yeah, I think that would make him upset that he didn't get an opportunity to finish the season, as it would everybody who's involved with the league, whether you're a player or not. But the stuff that he said there, I don't have any disagreement with anything that he said. I agree with everything that he said. And so the idea is to uh, safety first, and then if you can finish the season, great. If not, there's frustration. And they had a nice regular season. You know, they had a bunch of guys come together with the first-year coach. So I can't really disagree with anything that he said. Utah Jazz GM Justin Zanuck had reportedly interviewed for the new executive vice president of basketball operations job with the Chicago Bulls, but the Bulls are higher than the Nuggets GM. So, Justin Zanuck still with the Jazz. The team stays in place, PK. All right. All right, that's what's trending. There are your headlines. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing, 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Tim McComb, jazz radio analyst, former BYU and Utah basketball staffer, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Craig Bullerjack at 8.30. Vic Suoto, USC defensive line coach, a former BYU football player, is going to be here at 9.30. And we await Joe Ingles. We anticipate Joe Ingles about 9 o'clock. And Yach is now like, I don't have it confirmed, but okay, go with it, DJ. Sure. Why yeah. not? Okay. Come on. It's Joe. He's going to do it. You're right. Uh, we got a question up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. 
questions for Joe Ingles. What do you want to know? Go to our Facebook page. Put your question in. We just might pick it. You never know. Uh, also, PK, you've got uh, you got up there on the Facebook page. Uh, people reacting to Devin Kafusi, a Cougar leaving for the Utes. We'll get to your thoughts after talking to people around both programs. We will do that next, get people's reaction to that. Stay with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show. The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Former you, our good friend Trevor Riley. The biggest question mark is, is there going to be college football this season? And I think yeah. if I had to bet, I would bet yes. But a lot of these kids are thinking, well, okay, I'm going into my senior year. Let's say there's not, or it's an abbreviated season. Maybe they'll give me some eligibility back. Do I want to come back? Do I want to be done? Some kids are probably going to be out of shape. There's all those kind of questions going around, plus with schooling. The whole thing changes. It's online with classes. It's pass-fail now in a lot of schools. It's going to be maybe continued into the fall. So it all revolves around the one question mark. Is there going to be college football this fall? Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Texture Toast is brought to you by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and your satisfaction is guaranteed. We'll light up your day. Master Electrical Services. All right, so... The big local headline yesterday, a Kafusi's transferring from BYU to Utah after his father and brothers were Cougars. What is this world coming to? Got a lot of responses on this, but before we get to all of that, PK, and there are some good ones, but before we get to all of that, you take off the radio talk show host, you put on the reporter hat, you go back to your days as a print journalist, grinding away in Southern California talking to high school coaches. So you talked to, uh, you mentioned this for people just join us. PK brought this up in the last segment. You were up into the night corresponding with, uh, communicating with people on, on both staffs, trying to get a, a picture of uh, what's going on with Devin, motivations, where did he fit in at BYU if he had stayed, where does he fit in at Utah now that he's going there. What do you know? And then what do you suspect beyond what you know? Yeah, I think playing time is a significant factor. Uh, you know, I just think that uh, it's important to understand the role Kalani Sataki played in this because he's people are going to think, oh, my gosh, you lost one of these guys. What's wrong with you? What's going on with your program? You know, and there's some other issues there that uh, the Kafusis know about and the young man is concerned about and, and Kalani certainly knows about, and you know, he spent – what I was told is he spent, uh, they spent hours together behind closed doors uh, talking about things, and uh, it's up to the Kafusis what they want to say about that. Uh, you know, his mother is running for some type of political office here. What is it, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Governor yeah. with uh, the Huntsman Jr., and he wants to be governor again. And so, you know, we're just going to that, – that's out there. People know about that, and we'll just leave that there where, where it is and – they can decide what they want to do. And the other stuff, I think it boils down to where did he fit in on the team? You know, he's uh, trying to get playing time, and BYU's trying to win games, and Utah's trying to win games. There's somewhat of a dispute here whether he's going to be a walk-on or not. Now, I don't know whether he's going to be a walk-on or not. I can only tell you what people from both sides told me, and that is that he's going to be a walk-on. I haven't sat down with Kyle and counted up all 85 scholarships. And so Yak is telling me he spoke to the kid, and the kid says he's on scholarship. Maybe he is. I don't know. (laughs) All I can tell you is what people from the sides told me is that's not the case. 
and uh, it was presented to me, uh, why would Kyle give a scholarship to someone who had trouble getting on the field at BYU? Now, we've seen uh, a, a couple of kids, at least off the top of my head, who have left Utah and went to BYU, and this uh, Devontae Henry Cole is the latest. Austin Lee was one. So we know which program is better than the other right now. I mean, I don't think anybody can argue that. If you've won nine in a row and you're in a conference that has a shot at uh, getting to the playoff and you're sending double-digit guys potentially to the NFL off uh, your team this year, or at the least you're going to have conservatively six guys in the NFL off of this team. That's very conservative, and that's like the third, the second time in four years you'd have that many guys So it's clear whose program is better. So you can see kids who can't find much playing time in Salt Lake going down to Provo and getting playing time, right? That's obvious. Now, flip it the other way. If you're not getting much playing time in Provo, what's the chances of you getting playing time in Salt Lake? And would you offer that kid a scholarship? I throw that out there. The kid very well could be on scholarship for all I know. I don't know. I don't care. All I'm telling you is what was told to me from folks on both sides. So I think it's a playing time issue. Plus, there's some other stuff off to the side here. And that's the situation. So I don't think Kalani, my point is, I don't think Kalani should take a hit on this one. So as far as uh, Kyle and scholarships, we had him on the air. And he, uh, I don't know, took... To my mind, there was a little bit of wiggle room. It seemed like there were decisions out there for him to make, and he didn't want to go into them. But he did make it pretty clear that they were uh, they were up against it. There's a 25-85 rule. It's 85 scholarships you mentioned, but there's 25 in any given year. Uh, Yach likes to call them the initials. That's what you'll, you'll, you'll hear Kyle explain. <laughs> so here you go. Well, we filled up all our allotment for this class, and uh, you get 25 initials per year, and then you uh, have to remain under 85 overall. You know, it can never be over 85 at any one given time, and so, uh, you know, it's concluded for this cycle. However, you know, in the summertime or after spring ball, when, when uh, guys enter the portal, there is, uh, you know, ways to to uh, get those scholarships, uh, you know, pushed forward to the next class. You know, there's some limitations on what you can do uh, recruiting-wise to make that happen but but uh, for this current cycle we're done and uh, we'll see what transpires in the summer and and uh, if we uh, need to get uh, you know somebody in we'll try to find a way but but uh, for right now we feel pretty good about the guys we got all right so there it is all right so uh, Devin Kafusi leaving from BYU to go to Utah and uh, what do the people think about this? You put it up on Facebook, PK. And the reaction was uh, sometimes predictable, <laughs> sometimes funny, sometimes. Did anything really blow you away when you went back and double-checked him? <laughs> or did you know where this was going? Uh, uh, nothing comes to mind right now as far as uh, when I went back. I mean, that was last night, so it's been a while. And as I said, I, I literally at 11 o'clock, last night was going back and forth with folks on this particular issue so I don't really remember Jamal, Jamal Ware says uh, Kafusi wants to be part of a relevant football program it's completely understandable that got nine thumbs up oh that's a shot yeah it is and it's not really surprising either is. Uh, Shane comes back well then why did he choose Utah they can't win a meaningful game and they play in a conference oh. of irrelevance 
That got uh, a laughing emoji, actually, from Jamal and uh, six thumbs up. So there you go. Utes and the Cougars just getting right into it right from the get-go. A conference that you would have a party in the streets if you got invited to. Yes, there would so, be a party in the streets. Let's, You're right. Uh, <laughs> let's make sure on that. It's not the best conference, and maybe it's the worst of the five, uh, but still, it's part of the five, and you would very much want to be into that thing there. Uh, you know, as far as BYU not being relevant, I mean, you, you got a contract with ESPN. Doesn't that uh, guarantee you some form of relevance right there? Yep. They'll be promoting you while they're showing their games in uh, prime time and in the afternoon and that. They'll be promoting what's coming up. And so, yeah, your, your name, your logo is out there. And they're booking games for you that yes, matter. They're booking games for you that matter, too. Look at Big Ten, Pac-12, mm-hmm. SEC. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll set you up games, that's for sure. Steve made that point, not so much dancing in their street, a conference any Cougar fan would give their left one to be in. Mm, it's debatable which one. I don't know. You left or right. You know, I guess it depends on your preference. Brent, watch your words because you're about ready to get destroyed. A jealous BYU fan that knows they haven't beaten Utah in 3,784 days and they have no conference. And you're going to try and justify it because Utah sucks? <laughs> Laughing till he's crying emoji. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lance comes to the uh, rescue with the historical lesson. Uh, there are a few Kafusis who played at Utah and did quite well. Jason and Doug, to name a couple, plus Steve coached at Utah during the Ron McBride era. He'll do well, and Utah's glad to get that Kafusi name back on the hill, I'm sure. I don't know how well it do. I, I don't know if he'll be able to get out on the field. Uh, that remains to be seen. I know that was an issue there. And I don't think that uh, BYU is terribly upset that the kid is not on the team and in the program anymore. Uh, They don't think that he would have been a big contributor. He's not his brothers, according to them. Now, I'm not a football talent evaluator. So, I mean, I realize when I'm saying these things that have been told to me, it sounds like that's coming from me. So I realize I'm going to take some shots. That's part of my deal. I recognize that as I was going to sleep last night, that this is probably going to be a day that I'm going to take some hits because I'm not going to come out there. And no matter what I say, half the people are going to be irritated. Yeah. Uh, but I can only speak the truth. And so if you want to take it out on me, that's what I'm here for. Uh, and maybe he ends up being uh, another Bradley and I. I have no clue there, but all I can tell you is BYU folks is what they're saying. He's not as good as his brothers, uh, so he had a hard time getting out on the field, and he left the program. And BYU uh, bent over backwards. Kalani spent numerous hours with the kid talking to him, blah, blah, blah. Kalani can't come out and say any of this stuff, but there's a lot of people that don't want Kalani to take a hit when it's undeserving and uh, particularly for people who are used to taking hits and they get it uh, you know you make a horrendous play call and on offense or defense and we light you up 
I think this is goes to what Morgan Scally was t- saying in that Chris Camerani story at the Athletic. Uh, what was it last week? You know, all of us, none of us, are there at five thirty in the morning at the facility, and that, and I think that. So you don't really know all the backstory. I get that. The thing that I disagree on, Morgan, is I don't need to be there at five thirty on a Tuesday to know how well you played on Saturday. I could see for myself. And if you play well, you get praised. If you don't play well, you get hammered. That's just the nature of this business. But all the background stuff that goes into it, yeah, I'm not there. People choose to tell me stuff, so be it. If they don't tell me stuff, it really doesn't matter because the final analysis is what the fans care about you run a decent, clean program. You're not cheating like crazy. You don't got a bunch of you-know-whats in your program. And then did you win or lose on Saturday? And other than that, all the other stuff that goes on, you know, all the politicking and all the relationships and all that stuff, every program has issues and has politicking and this guy doesn't like that guy and blah, 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 blah. As long as it doesn't affect how you play on the Saturday, the fans really aren't interested in that. So there is some background stuff here that I'm privy to. We'll just leave it there. What does he contribute out on the field? Good luck to the kid. I hope he tears it up when he gets to Utah. But he was struggling to get on the field and make meaningful plays in Provo. The 15 tackles in 25 games, and you know how good the Utah defensive line is. You know how deep it is. You know they want to play too deep at every position. They want to stay fresh. They feel like they wear offensive lines down over the course of the game. But... Are you going to get past those, uh, you know, are you going to get into the top eight? And if you're struggling to do it at the Y, yeah, it seems know. like it would be hard right. to do it at the U. Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, but that, that, that's literally what was told to me. Yes. So you can take that for what it's worth. I'm not saying that the kid can't be a contributor. I have no clue. Uh, but you, you can look at it logically and Utah, that's one area where they have been cons- so consistent. I mean, Kyle is a consistent coach and really a consistent person day to day, week to week, month to month, on and on, right? And so when you look at his football program, the one area where you can pretty well count on having them having, ta- them having some talent is up front. It's become up front and in the back now. I think in the back a little more so more recently, but up front – I think that has been consistent throughout a number of years. I would literally need a list to go through all the guys who have played in the NFL since Kyle has been with the program going back to his days as an assistant when he first got there from Idaho State. I'm sure I would probably leave off uh, five guys because it's over a 25-year-plus period, and I don't remember them all. That's how my point is. That's how many kids have gone and played in the NFL. So finding time there you got to be pretty good but they do rotate to an extent so maybe you can find time and i guess maybe he can apply for a waiver but as i understand it he would have to sit out so that gives him an opportunity to get better and best of luck to him and and whether he's on scholarship or not i'm being told he's not if he is great i'm not counting it up i don't care whether he's on scholarship or not all i know is what they're saying is no that's not the case and I was told, hey, make sure you mention that he is a, uh, a walk-on at Utah. And then I checked on the other side, and that's what I got. So that's the information I put out there. If you want to accept it, great. If you don't, that's up to you. doesn't really bother me either way. 
But that's the situation. And I would just say for the people who, I haven't checked Twitter yet, but who inevitably are probably ripping you, if you don't think PK has multiple coaches on both staffs in his phone, you're crazy. He's got multiple coaches on both staffs in his phone. Yeah. So, kid wants to leave. Happens every program. It's just, I think it's cool now that they don't have to worry about sitting out. That they have that option to stay local if they want and go play at the other school if it's not working. Because before, when they're in the conference, well, you could lose a year. When Remember when Trent writing? I do. I was, was about a, to bring it up. Utah? That was a yeah. huge deal. Uh, uh, yes. And I found out about it, and I put it in a watchdog, and I had that story. And I could tell you people at Utah were furious and grudges were held against certain people uh, for a good long time on that situation because some people thought other people were the ones who fed me that stuff and they were wrong. I don't even remember how I got the story to tell you the truth because it's been so long ago. But that really, really got under the skin of uh, Utah people to the point where they felt like if it was reverse, they would have said, no, you can't come here. This is the one place you can't come. And it was funny. And the BYU had told me this every year when they'd go through, maybe it's not every year, but it was frequently when they'd have meetings in the spring and they would discuss rules because the conference can set up their own rules. And the intra-conference rules where you transfer within the conference you would lose a year of eligibility and somebody at BYU I don't remember who it was told me this they would vote on it and there would always be one school would vote let's allow these kids to transfer with just the NCAA penalty of having to sit out a year and everybody else in the conference would say nope we're keeping that rule if you transfer within the conference you, you lose a year and the thought on that was that the other teams in the Mountain West, whack, didn't want team, kids coming home from missions and figuring they needed to be in Provo. And so they voted against it every year, and BYU would always vote for it uh, to eliminate the rule. And so that was a big deal. Well, the great thing about this now is that's gone. That if you want to transfer to either school, you can do whatever you want, and you don't have to answer to some intra-conference rule because obviously they're not even in the same conference anymore so i think it's awesome especially it doesn't matter if it's a local kid or not it's more likely probably going to be a local kid but obviously Devonte henry cole although he's not local he's been here for a number of years because i think he's a senior right and so that in a sense he is local because he's been in the community now for a number of years i don't know where he's from originally texas or wherever i'd have to look it up but being a senior, that's going to be at least minimally, you're going to be in a program for three years. So you're in the community for that length of time. And it's obviously comfortable. And we've seen a few kids from Utah go up to Utah State. Same type of principle. You've been in the community. Now, Logan's a little longer away. I understand that. But and you knew Gary Anderson. So you knew folks within the programs. So allowing these kids to have that opportunity and still play Division One football I think it's pretty cool for them. And I'm thinking the two kids that did it from uh, Utah last year, uh, Mariner and uh, Rep, you know, they both had, uh, well, Mariner had a 
phenomenal season, really, when you think about it. He was big time, and Rep had a nice, a nicer season probably would have had of Utah. And then there's been some kids from BYU who've gone up to Logan, right? And so allow those kids to do that, and they can still stay somewhat local and get the opportunity to play Division One football. I think that's great. Sometimes it's pretty smooth. Sometimes it's a little, uh, it's a little nasty and creates a little heat when guys move. Uh, Riley Nelson played that year at Utah State, went on a mission. I'm talking about Riley Nelson. Yeah, when he went to BYU, that, that created a little heat. Well, the whole rule came out of it that you couldn't make that transfer during your mission. Uh, yeah, right, because that was a local kid and it looked like he was scorning. Is that the word? Is that a right word? Yeah, that's good. Uh, his his hometown in Logan to go to Provo. But I get that that was maybe it was a bad look leaving your hometown team and your program and you had family work there and the medical staff and all that stuff. But in a final analysis, you got to let kids do the, do what they want because that that was no worse of a look than Mel Tucker doing what he did at Colorado. Hard to argue that one. That was a bad look. <laughs> I'm going to be yeah. here. I'm going to be here. Hold on. I'll fax it over to you. I'm going to be here. Did you get the fax? I'm going to be here. <laughs> we're good? Is that All contract right. here? Okay, we're good. Let's go. I'm out. <laughs> I like the hold on part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a lot of the takes, some of the stuff we've talked about. Tanner says he couldn't start at BYU. He won't start at Utah, so this is irrelevant. Doesn't want to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, Brooks says, weren't the Kafusis at the U before all the defections to the Y? Well, Brooks, you've been around long enough. All the Kafusis were at the Y before the defections to the U. Before the defections to the Y, now transfer back to the U. So, yes, there's a long line of Kafusis who've lettered at both schools. And I suspect going forward, there'll be a long line of Kafusis who letter at both schools. It comes back to your point that different situations are right for different players at different times. And the coaching staffs change over times, and obviously that's a part of it, and playing time is always a part of it. So, Well, Dave, here's the deal, my good man. The Kafusis want to be at BYU, but if you can't hack it, then you go to Utah. That's why you get Twitter hate. <laughs> This is where you're going to get the angry messages sent to you, yes. Okay, that was a joke. All the reporting early, I am 100% confident in what you heard. I could have predicted at 6 o'clock last night what you were going to hear. But to your credit, you, you still do the work. You still text with people, you call people, whatever. And they've known you long enough, they tell you the truth, they know you're not going to burn them, and you're able to tell us what's really going on. And the part I couldn't have predicted is that I didn't, I didn't think about, you know, the Kafusi name being out there in public, not just in sports, which it has been for a long time, but now it's out there in politics. And how does that play into it? And I'm sure you can probably tell me some specifics off the air you don't want to go too into on the air. That's the part of all of this I didn't get. I think that just if you're following college football, you know he wasn't playing a lot. And you could write that off probably two groups. One group saying, well, he will as he, you know, puts on weight, 
you know, as he gets to his junior and senior year, he'll play more. Some of the Kafusis can come in and just blow it up as freshmen and sophomores. Maybe he's not that good. Um, but the going from the Y to the U, when we know how competitive it is for playing time in the defensive line at the U, they're not just throwing guys out there. We, we've been having draft people on for a couple weeks now, and they're all going through the Utah defensive line talking about how many guys are going to play in the NFL. And that's just this year. Obviously, in any given year, they've got underclassmen who aren't ready for the NFL yet, but they're on that track. Correct. All right, DJ and PK, Yak wants us to go to break. We come back, our new daily feature, What'd You Watch Last Night? <laughs> Actually, I'm with you, PK. Something you said yesterday about what you didn't know hit me uh, as I was channel surfing last night. I'll tell you about that next. 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Kurt Heelan. On a scale of 1 to 10 in your confidence in the NBA season, coming back and finishing out even regular season or not regular season, but crowning a champion yeah. for this season. 1 through 10, Kurt. 6. Well, I want to be more confident than that. There's a lot of optimism and hope around the league, but look, even if you shrunk this down to just the playoff teams in the NBA, you need thousands of tests to make this work. You can't take those away from the areas of need right now so there has to be enough tests out there that are accurate quick and by the way you've got so many of them we can afford to spend a couple thousand on sports that's the major hurdle and then if they get there then suddenly some of the other logistics as awkward as they are get closer to falling in line catch hans and scotty every day presented by your rocky mountain chevy dealer on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network dj pk it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone During the COVID-19 pandemic, the games have stopped. Everything has changed. We would never ask this in normal situations. What did you watch last night? Well, we know when you come in here, you you know, you watch Sam Merrill hit a shot in the Mountain West Conference title game over the weekend, or you watch the Jazz play the Lakers because, well, of course you did. But now it's a little less obvious. So PK wants to start this new segment. What did you watch last night? And PK, you were talking about how you'd watch something on the Masters, and I can't remember what it was, but you – you didn't know uh, a lot of the backstory to it. And, oh, it was the, it was the missigned uh, scorecard in 68 when Bob Golby won because a guy didn't get credit for a birdie he deserved, of all the things. Yes. Uh, so I was watching last night, and they Golf Channel had this long series of uh, on the Masters and tells all these stories. And so I didn't watch. I mean, it went on for hours and hours, but I watched it for a little while. And they did the 1979 Masters, and Fuzzy Zeller won in a playoff. And I remember that Fuzzy Zeller won, but I didn't remember anything before it. There's a guy named Ed Sneed, and he had a five-shot lead going into the final round. I'm thinking, five-shot lead? I remember when Greg Norman had a big lead, but a five-shot, I didn't remember this. He... Um, he played poorly. He frittered the whole thing away. He's down to a one-shot lead going through, uh, uh, going through 10, 11, and 12, right? Through him in corner. And so he gets to 13. He's shaky. The wheels are coming off. He birdies 13, which is a par 5. And then he birdies 15, which is a par 5. He's got a three-shot lead with three holes to go. And he plays a safe shot at 16 and leaves it uphill and three putts and bogeys. And at 17, he bogeys again because he missed the green. And so now at 18, he's still got a lead. Parr wins it. He had the lead going in, so everybody else is in the clubhouse, right? So this is, this is all about him coming down the stretch. And he, uh, I think he, uh, 
he had like a seven foot putt for par, and they, they show the putt. And as they retell this story, he's sitting there with a Golf Channel reporter, and this is the most brutal part. And he's rewatching it for the first time, and he's telling this guy everything he's thinking as this is playing out, and it's just agonizing because I know the guy's not going to win it. <laughs> and he gets there, and he hits this putt, and it's right on the lip. And he says, literally, I took forever walking up there because it was on the left side of the cup, and that's the direction the wind was coming from. He says, I couldn't believe it didn't fall in, and I was sure the wind was going to push it in. And they show, they cut back to him. And then they cut back to him walking up over the ball and then looking down on it and just waiting for like two or three seconds. And he just takes this pause, and it's agonizing because as you look at the video, it looks like it should fall in, like Tiger at 16. Remember when he chipped it up the hill and it rolled back down, it paused on the lip, and then it rolled in? It looked like it was going to do that, and it just sat there. And he had another putt to win in a playoff, and then and then uh, Fuzzy Zelda finally won it with a birdie. Agonizing to watch that. And I can't believe he just he sat there and just, he just went through it and just spelled it all out. And they talked to other players of the era about him. So they had interviews you know, with Nicholas, and he's good friends with Tom Weisskopf, so they had him in there. But it was... Uh, I don't know, for the drama I didn't know existed 40 years ago, it was pretty dramatic, especially when this poor guy, I mean, we've all had a putt that was right on the lip and didn't fall in, but to win the Masters, you're in the last group at the 18th hole, and this thing is just hanging on the edge. Brutal. That's the way I like to watch those things, having the guys uh, years later actually comment on a baseball network does a really good job of that costas will have some yeah. guys say like bucky dent and and uh, whoever from uh, that boston new york when dent hits the improbable home run and so they go through the course of the game so they show you a little bit of the game but then they cut back to the studio and guys are talking about what they recall what the situation was and all that stuff i i enjoy that i mean i don't i enjoy it Along with a as a supplement to live sporting events, and and I'm getting we're getting that stuff in full dosages now because we don't have the live sporting events. But yeah, that sounds like something that you know if you come across and you don't have any other things going on, you you tune that in, you learn something here, and and you find that uh, it becomes a little more entertaining, win or lose. And actually, I appreciate the guys. It's easy to sit up there when you've won yeah. and recall this or that. But when you are when you didn't win and you're still willing to talk about it, that, uh, you know, like Dennis Eckersley might want to talk about that uh, Gibson home run. You know, it's easy for Gibson to talk about it, and the guys who were on the, to- the Dodgers in that uh, that time uh, was – 80-something, 88, I guess it was. I'm not sure exactly when the year was. You're right. That. But uh, uh, those those things become enlightening. I watched a little thing on Bobby Hurley last night, a little one of those uh, documentaries on him. And the thing that I did not realize, the severity of the car accident that he had when he's with the Kings. He almost died in that and ditch. Yeah, and and they showed a picture of him in the hospital. You know, I knew it was a nasty car accident, but I didn't realize to the extent of how nasty that car accident was. And that, man, that really was uh, inches away, so to speak, metaphorically, away from dying. And how fragile he looked and the fact that he came back a year later was really something I mean, I knew all the other stuff, and he's from Jersey, and 
and and, and I, the Duke career was I, all I on TV. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and and the, the attitude, and I, mean, I, I that's the way Jersey people are. It's just the way it is. I mean, I knew all that, but I didn't know the extent of the injury. And then they had one of his teammates came upon the uh, scene. Mm-hmm. A couple minutes, five minutes later, or what it was, because it was only a couple of miles away from the arena that they were playing in, and so they showed that player when he was playing with the Kings. He's some role player, some banger off the bench, and then they showed him whenever this thing was. Well, it must have been uh, fairly recently because they had him. Uh, they said he had taken the Sun Devils to two tournaments in a row, so it had to have been the last couple of years that they actually broadcast that thing because this year would have been most likely would have been their third year in a row that they would have gone. So so it had to have been in the last year or so that they filmed it. And I can't remember the Kings player's name, but the Kings player since retirement, he's enjoyed himself some food. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, uh, I, didn't, I didn't watch as much TV last night as I've been watching a couple nights before. The weather was really nice, so I was outside. Oh, so what I, was going on? I didn't hey, get to the, us in, big guy. I was on the yard. So I was on the deck. <laughs> he even, does it. Even better. Wow, you got yeah, all pictures. right. Well, nobody's out in the neighborhood, PK, so it just doesn't matter. <laughs> got a big retaining wall, and so, you know. Um, but uh, A big TV yacht. He's got a big retaining wall and, and a, a big, big TV. TV. Everything's bigger at the Sniggledorf <laughs> estate, apparently. Got to hold the hill up from the neighbors up the hill. Hold the hill <laughs> their, up. their house will just come riding down into ours. Oh, okay. Uh, so I watched a, another episode of The Office as I, conti- as I continue the slow binge watch into season six now. And uh, it was a brutal episode where Michael is spreading some rumor about <laughs> about somebody in the office, which he doesn't think is true, but it's juicy, so he's doing it, but it can't possibly tr- be true. Turns out it is true, and it's really hurtful. And so the only way to put the cat back in the bag in his mind is to spread rumors about everybody else, and then because they're all false, nobody will believe any of them, including the one that's true. And then he accidentally stumbles on making something up. He stumbles on something that is true. It was awkward all the way around. I think you would have enjoyed it. But I was curious... How much of our audience, I'm watching so much sports, I mean, I'd seen, a. it's not like I'd never seen The Office, but I hadn't, I'd seen 10 episodes tops. I probably hadn't even seen that many. I just, I don't watch that many sitcoms. And so now, I'm, I'm binge watching my way through this, and my da- daughter loves to watch because she's seen them all and knows every episode. And so she will be staring at me, and I know something crazy is about to happen because I can feel her staring at me, and she's just getting ready to gauge my reaction to whatever the latest, you know, crazy thing is. So I'm curious how into this our audience is. If you people have binge watched The Office, if you were addicted to it all along, or if you're like me, a couple episodes tops, Go to David DJ James. Poll is up. We can, uh, we can update that throughout the morning. All right, coming up next, Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst, former BYU and Utah basketball staffer. There's a guy who can probably talk to the, uh, the uh, animosity between the two schools since he worked on both staffs and what it's like when a guy transfers from one to the other. He can probably – he probably had front row seats, didn't he, PK? Have I got the timeline right? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, we'll talk with Tim next. Craig Bowlerjack at 8.30. Vic Suoto, USC defensive line coach, former BYU player, is here at 9.30 on 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone.